This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. I mean, you'd rather be here than in jail. <laughs> you got to frame your question right, see, to get a good response, right? Well, we're talking about this month a series called Kingdoms in Conflict, and uh, we're talking about the two kingdoms, uh, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of darkness, that are at work in the earth, and both kingdoms are at, at work in the earth, and they're working to influence one way or the other. God, of course, is wanting to bring salvation and healing and deliverance and light and, and hope to everyone. Of course, the kingdom of darkness is wanting to create bondage uh, in our lives. It wants to create fear in our lives. But how do they work? I mean, you know, you're not just laying in bed and you know, all of a sudden God comes on you or the devil jumps on you or something like that. One of the primary ways that they work is they work through our institutions. And we talked about this, our government, our economy, our, our education system, our family, and then through our, our spirituality or our religion. Now, say, I, I say spirituality because some people, religion's got a, a, a bad connotation to. But he's working. They're working through those institutions. They're working through those what I call pillars of society. And we talked about that. We, and we compared them, uh, we, we, we took a, a little bit of a note there from uh, St. Augustine, his classic book about the city of God, and we, we're comparing it to the city of God and the city of man. And we looked, I'm just reviewing a little bit, in Genesis 11, we see about the city of man where they said, come, let us, you know, they all had one language and, 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 and one culture, and they said, all oh, let us come together and let's build a city up to heaven, a city that will make a name for us ourselves so that we can be remembered. We talked about the city of man is egocentric. It's all about man. It's about me. It's humanistic. It's all about, you know, uh, making a name for myself. It's all about what I can get and my, you know, my value is utilitarian. It's what I can do for you. And we're contrasting that with the city of God found there in Hebrews 11 where it talks about Abraham and then, of course, uh, Jacob and I, Isaac and Jacob, he's talking about them, said they dwelt in tents rather than building something permanent because they were looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. So we're talking about the city of man and the city of God in contrast. And there is this ongoing, if you will, warfare, unseen except through our institutions it's seen. But of course, we who are believers and <clears throat> have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit and God's Word, we can discern and recognize, or we should be able to recognize, which kingdom is at work. But we can all look in the kingdoms of the city of man, the city of God, and look in our institutions, and we can begin to tell, you know, what is influencing uh, our society, what is influencing these particular institutions. And we talked about, you know, last week we said we're, we talked about government has to do with authority, and all authority comes from God, 
but not all authority is used in a godly manner. Are you listening? Some people abuse authority. That even happens in the church. Amen. But it certainly, it can happen in the government, it can happen in, 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 in our education, in any institution where there's authority, that authority comes from God. That gives God the right to say, this is how it should be used. But see, you can misuse authority, and we see that happening. And this is why Paul admonished us as Christians to pray for those in authority. Remember Jesus said, he said to pray this way, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we pray and intercede, living our life and being salt and light, we've got the city of God's government and the city of man. And as we pray and intercede, the idea is that those two come closer and closer together. I'm not talking about creating a theocracy in America. I'm talking about the values of the kingdom where life is valued, where truth is valued, where it's not about what I can do and how much I have, but we said in the kingdom of God, the city of God's about how I can serve, how much I can serve. We talked about that last week. Now, we talked about the economic structure, and I won't get into that, but basically the, the city of man, the economic structure of man is to bring people into bondage, into servitude, isn't it? We call it debt. Debt. Debt is servitude. And if you ever noticed, we talked about this, our economy is based on that, isn't it? Man, I mean, you know, you get debt free and people think you're weird. It's true. What's wrong with you, man? Am I telling, can I get a witness? Isn't it true? You start talking around, especially people in the world, sometimes even Christians, but you talk about people in the world, say, well, you know, I'm debt free. Man, what's the matter with you? And you know, you're always getting these offers in the mail, aren't we? Hey, we got a deal for you. Take this credit card. Take this free loan. You don't even have to put nothing down. Just sign your name. Just, listen, I'm telling you, sometimes I get checks in the mail. I'm thinking, you crazy people. Forgive me. I know I shouldn't be thinking that way. But I'm thinking anybody could cash that check. They just send you a check. Cash the check. Oh, they make it so easy, don't they, to get into bondage. But we talked about God's kingdom. God says that He will supply all of our needs. Isn't that right? And He will supply our needs so that what? We can look and trust in God to supply my needs, and I don't have to look to the city of man to supply my needs. And we don't have time to get in it, but God's got a good plan for you to get out of debt. Amen? One of the first places to start is don't get in any more debt. But that's for another time. This morning we're going to be talking about our education and our family structures. But, you know, real soon we're going to be making some choices about who's going to lead our nation, aren't we? Remember, I encourage you to pray. Educate yourself. Pray. Are you doing that? Educate yourself. Pray. And then go vote. We have that privilege in this nation. And, you know, and I tell people all the time, if you're not going to pray and you're not going to educate yourself and you're not going to go vote, then don't complain. We oughtn't to complain anyway. Because whoever gets elected, what are we called to do? And so I know this, that at least half our nation is going to be disappointed when this election's over. Something like that. Isn't it true? 
Every election, that's the way it is. But as Christians, we've been called to live our lives by the kingdom and not trust in the wisdom of man. Now, we, we want to we vote and get, get under God, get the best person we can in there. Isn't that right? That's true. Well, you know, this, this qualified and all that stuff. I won't get into all that. But we're not going to live by the wisdom of man. As I said before, we're not electing a Savior in November. The Savior's already come. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> Amen. No offense to any of those who are candidates who are running. But you know, in Psalm 8, 118, it says, It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Man in his ego still believes he can build a city which is lasting, that's based on humanistic values, a foundation that is like shifting sand. He no longer thinks that he needs the crutches of faith or grace or mercy or the power of God. No, he can build it himself. Listen to this quote. Man, America is like a healthy body. And its resistance is threefold. It's patriotism, it's morality, and it's spiritual life. If we can undermine these three areas, America will collapse from within. You know who said this? Joseph Stalin. Russian dictator and atheist. Wow. A, an atheistic dictator has more insight than a lot of our public officials. We awful got quiet in here when I made that. So today we're going to contrast the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man and two critical pillars, education and family. The first one is going to be the pillar of education. He could, <clears throat> and education is so important because he who controls a message wins the hearts and minds of a generation. Let me give you another quote. I've got some quotes today, but it's to make you think. The philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. Abraham Lincoln. You know, I... I was talking with some people the other day, you know, and they have these, you know, these uh, last debate they had. They had the town hall meeting, you know, where they had people that asked questions. I I'd love to get on one of those as a town hall, uh, you know, a person in the audience just to ask uh, everybody that's in the debate, whether it's just the two or the three or whoever it is, and just ask them if they think, you know, that our, our, our early church our, not early church, but early, early government, United States government, our early founding fathers, do you think that there's anybody that is as wise and as smart in them right now? Do you consider yourself as wise and as smart as them? Well, why is it that we want to go away from the wisdom of those who helped to frame one of the greatest uh, democracies and republics that's ever been one of the greatest documents, the U.S. Constitution and Declaration of Independence. Why, would, why all of a sudden we think we can forsake that and yet not suffer consequences? You know, Jesus told the people in his day, you know, in his day, he talked about, you know, 
the rulers of the people in his day, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. He said, you're, you know, he said, you're constantly building monuments to the prophets and you're making sure that you keep up with their burial sites and you keep them all beautified and you're doing all that. He said, but I testify that it was your ancestors that killed them. Hello? And so, see, we can give lip service to things sometimes. But when it comes right down to where the rubber meets the road, it's what we do that counts, not just what we say. Isn't it true? It's what we do. In the city of God, parents are responsible and have the authority to be the chief overseer of a child's education. Oh boy, that was really weak. I'm going to stir the pot today, I can tell that. Turn over to Ephesians. All us word people here. All us Bible-believing people. Come on. Ephesians 6.1. Like I said, it's easy to believe in stuff on paper. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you. And that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. See, education is not just reading, writing, and arithmetic. See, sometimes we think about education. Now, I, I, I truly believe there was a time when it was mostly that. That it was, we, you know, our children were in a public education system... And it was about teaching, you know, math and sciences and things like that. But not anymore. I said not anymore. Education also includes values, morals, and a belief system. Absolutely. Listen to this. The virtues of men are more consequence to society than their abilities. And for this reason, the heart should be cultivated... With more assiduity than the head, Noah Webster. And here's the thing what is going on in the city of man where we have really abdicated our authority and our responsibility to a large part as parents and given it to those in the city of man? They're not just teaching reading, writing, and arithmetic no more. They're teaching values. They're teaching morality. They're teaching a, a belief system. And it's being imposed and imprinted and impregnated upon our children and their generation. Mm. Listen to this quote from Jane Robbins, who is an attorney and senior fellow with the American Principles Project. He said, it's not really about teaching academic content anymore, talking about our present day system. It's about achieving the correct behaviors and mindsets in children. It's not teaching you, you know, the, the concepts just of, uh, of mathematics or English grammar or another language or, or, or anything about that or the great literature. It's about shaping a worldview. It's a worldview. Listen, this is where the battleground is raging for our hearts and minds of our young people. Those in, in middle school, high school, and in college, I'm telling you, they're being inundated by a false system that is imposing 
uh, in endeavoring to impose its worldview, its morality, and its values. And I want to tell you, uh, it might shock you, but you know, uh, when I was in college, you know, the idea was that it was going to be a place, you know, a marketplace for the exchange of ideas. You might be shocked if you read what some of the major institutions in our nation now are saying, you cannot talk about God, you can't talk about Christianity, you can't talk about, you know, abortion and all those kind of things because, you know, you're going to offend somebody. Now they take you through, you know, uh, freshman orientation in many of these uh, institutions now, and they go through this whole litany of things that you be careful not to say, not to bring up, not to broach. But of course, their agenda, you're very free to speak it out. And you will be seen as wise when you do. Oh, you're, you're wise, you're progressive, you're open. Well, you know, most open place there is, you know, is a garbage dump. It'll take anything. So I, I'm all for being open to a certain degree, but I'm also going to guard what comes into my mind and heart. So when God delegates, He's given authority to us. Proverbs 22, 6, we know it. He says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, what? He will not depart from it. And we're talking about, like I said, we're not just talking about reading, writing, and arithmetic, so to speak, but we're talking about the values and the, the morals of a whole generation. Because remember what Abraham Lincoln said. He said, the philosophy of the schoolroom in this generation will be the philosophy of the government in the next. And boy, aren't we seeing that now. Yes. Stirring the pot this morning, huh? When God delegates authority for something, now listen to this carefully. This is how authority works. When God delegates authority for something, okay, the authority has been given what? To the parent as the chief overseer of the education of the child. When that authority has been delegated for something, I cannot delegate it to someone else without consequences. Isn't that true? In, that's true in the natural. We, as citizens of the United States, we have been given the responsibility and the authority to elect those who govern us. Isn't that right? That's our right as citizens. Anybody agree with me on that? That's, that's it. But what happens if I don't educate myself about that? I don't register to vote. I don't go to vote. What's going to happen? I've essentially abdicated and delegated that authority to someone else to choose. Then I don't like the consequences and I want to complain. Awful quiet in here. When God delegates authority, listen, we got to be careful. Because you know what has happened? In the city of man, the experts have taken both the responsibility and the authority away from the parents. I really think we could really be more accurate to say it has been given to them by the parents. 
Because it's too much trouble for us to oversee. We're busy working jobs, two jobs. We're busy making a living, accumulating stuff. We're all caught up, you know, in the the economic system of the city of man. We're trying to manage our debt and get out of debt and do all that. We don't have time for our kids. Now, I'm not saying that's you. I'm talking about our society. I hope that's not you. But see, they're teaching them, and they're not, you know, Maybe it would be okay if they were just teaching them reading, writing, and arithmetic, but they're not doing that. They're, they're teaching them, you know, a philosophy, a worldview, a system that is for the most part antichrist. We wonder why we have a generation called the millennials that don't want to do any, have anything to do with God, don't want to be in church, don't want anything to do with organized religion, don't want anything to do with any of that. Awful quiet in here. <laughs> Anybody remember the, the book 1984 by George Orwell? That, that was, a, he was a British author. It was a book written uh, in the, actually written in the 30s, but it was about a, at that time it was about a hypothetical world government that controlled everything, that controlled what you heard, what you what you said, what you thought, everything. There was one character within it. He was in the, the ministry of, of Newsmake, they called it. And his job was to rewrite all the past news articles and everything to make it line up, to look like the past was lining up with the position of the present government. <laughs> this author, he said this, listen to this. <clears throat> Whoever controls the image and information of the past determines what and how future generations will think. You know, when I, re- when I look in a, a history book today and I read it compared to the history I was taught, I'm like, I missed something somewhere. What happened here? You know, today, you know, it, the, the history book was, you know, the, you know, the pilgrims and the Puritans, they didn't come over here for religious freedom. They came over here to make a buck and to exploit everybody they could on the way. Was there some of that happened? Of course there was some of that happened. But just to say that that was all their motives and that was the whole reason that everybody came over here, we're rewriting everything. And all of a sudden you don't know. And, you know, and we certainly don't want to make heroes out of any Christians. God forbid that. You know, we wouldn't want that to come out in our, in our books. But he said, whoever controls the image and the information. So who's writing all the textbooks? Who's coming up with all the curriculum? Who's doing that? What's their worldview? Where are they coming from? All these people that say they're inclusive. Why are we excluded in their inclusiveness? You know, I know people say, oh, pastor, don't preach on these things. People won't like it. Well, I'm going to, brother. In this kingdom, the kingdom of man, man's wisdom prevails rather than God's. Rather than God's. You know, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. Isn't that right? But, you know, you can't talk about creationism in school. You'd be scoffed at, laughed at, ridiculed. 
you know. We, we want to talk about, you know, they want you to talk about evolution. They want you to embrace, you know, that. That, you know, out of chaos, more chaos created order. Are you listening? But if you start talking about that God's the creator, that man is made in his image, oh, you'll be scoffed at. Man wasn't made in his image. Man is just a random accident that happened by nature over millions of years. And eventually, ta-da, here we are. So it really doesn't matter. Man is just what? Utilitarian. There is no eternal soul or spirit. He's just a higher intelligent form of animal life. So what difference does it matter how we treat them? You know, if it's not expedient, we dispose of them. Of course, we call that abortion. And we say that that's our right. We have a right to take life. We, we are the ones, you know, that give life. And all of a sudden, man becomes what? Like God. He gives life, he takes life. I have the right and authority to do that. I can do it if I want to. And don't you religious, especially you Christians, don't be telling us that it's wrong. There's nothing wrong. That's just stuff you made up. Come on. It's all about that. And here's the thing. This is what's vying for the hearts and the minds of all of us, and especially our younger generation. And if we, as a church, as parents, as individuals, as families, if we don't do something to make a difference, then I'm going to tell you what, don't put your hands on your head and act all surprised. I don't understand how that happened, Pastor Norris. I was going 90 miles an hour toward that brick wall. I don't know how we got hurt. Life's just not fair. I mean, yes, yeah, stuff does happen sometimes, but sometimes, I'm telling you what, it wasn't an accident and it's not a puzzle how it happened. You had the foot on the accelerator 90 miles an hour and ran into that tree. We know what's going to happen. And so we, we allow the worldview at all to permeate our society, to come into our education system, and then we wonder why. And you know, many times we get intimidated. Christians, we get intimidated to stand up. So, well, you, you know, Pastor, we do that, you know, we're going to look and sound foolish. The Bible says the foolishness of God is greater than the wisdom of man. And that God decided through the foolishness of preaching, men would be saved. You know, I often think about, you know. Uh, you know, about out of chaos, just random, you know, all these random things that have to happen for man to become what we know today. You know what the odds of that is? You know, like one guy said, you, you know, the odds would be better for a tornado to co go through a junkyard, you know, and, and on the other side comes out a Boeing 747. The pillar of education. Listen, we've got to take it back. 
our, our children, our family. We've got to take back. We've got to be salt and light. Isn't that right? And we need to be thinking about that in this next election. Let's be thinking about that. Let's don't just blindly follow whoever, whatever. You know, God gave you a brain, an independent thought. Educate yourself. Pray. And then vote. Vote intelligently. Amen? Vote. Vote as God directs you. But do it in the light of understanding this. And whoever, whoever may end up being in authority as president, listen, we still have a responsibility. It's, maybe it's the person you voted for, maybe it's not. But we still have a responsibility to be salt and light. And we need to make our voice be heard. And you know what? It needs to start in the home. I said it needs to start in the home. And that brings me to the next pillar, the pillar of family. Family, it's the oldest fundamental structure in our history and the most important building block of society. It's the family. Isn't that right? Before there was a church, before there was a government, before there were any of these institutions, there was a family. In Genesis 1, 26 through 28, God said, Let us make man or mankind in our image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them, didn't He? The first family, we could say. Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. They were the first family that God created. And He, he said, now here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to, 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 to multiply. I want you to subdue the earth. I want you to govern the earth for me. That was our man's responsibility to be a good steward of this planet. You say, are you an environmentalist? I certainly am because God is. He said, he said to govern this earth and to do it wisely, to be a good steward. Isn't that right? Absolutely. He didn't say mess everything up, pollute it all. Woo. See, I was doing okay when I was over on your side, wasn't I? <laughs> See, it's about a, it's not a, see, what has happened is, is so many things that are really moral and spiritual, they have been politicized. And as soon as something becomes politicized, it divides us. Well, I'm this and I'm that. I'm this stripe and you're that stripe. And this is what our stripe believes and we don't go beyond that. And this is what our stripe believes and we don't go beyond that. Oh my goodness. Can you be a Christian and be an environmentalist? Absolutely. It's biblical. He said, be a good steward in the earth. So whatever the resources are that God has given us individually and collectively as His people and mankind, we're to be a good steward of that. Are you listening? See, if if you're an owner, you can do whatever you want to, right? But if you're a steward... That's different, isn't it? We're to be a good steward. And that starts in the family. I, I read this. I had, I had to mention this to you. The Urban Dictionary definition of family. I hope this doesn't fit anybody here. The Urban Dictionary defines family as a bunch of people who hate each other and eat dinner together. <laughs> I, hope that's, I hope that's not anybody here. I had to, I had to mention that. that. I saw that. I thought, wow. You know... There, it's unfortunate in our society, but there's some truth in that sometimes, isn't there? Hopefully none of us. Hopefully none of you. But that's, that's not God's definition of family, is it? A bunch of people eat together, hate each other and eat together. God's idea about the family, it was God's idea and it was God's creation. He created a family unit. 
made, uh, comprised of a man and a woman, and they were to be co-rulers, are you listening, and co-partners in the earth and in life. We're talking about a biblical worldview, about a biblical view of family. Because I know sometimes, you know, people, you know, they say, well, you know, you, you conservative Christians, you know, you want to put women down and put them in their place. I certainly do. And that's right by our side. Equal partners, equal in life, equal in every respect, made in the image of God. You better believe I want to put them in the rightful place. <laughs> Amen. Don't let anybody frame, you know, the conversation for you. You know, a lot of times, again, we get over in this political uh, politicalization of things and you know and pe people want to take things that are moral issues and that are, are spiritual issues and they want to make them a political issue are you listening and so once they make it a political issue not only do they divide ourselves but they set the the boundaries about how we can uh, uh you know uh, discuss and have a discussion and open communication that differs because if you differ from their political viewpoint immediately that what do we do we start calling each other names don't we anybody see the latest debate man it started out kind of good at first it looked like they were going to answer some of the issues next thing you know they both got rocks I, you know but that's what happens when we political, politicize everything. We, all we do is we end up, you know, people in this ditch are throwing rocks at people in that ditch, and people in that ditch are throwing rocks at people in the other ditch. God's purpose for the family to be a microcosm of heaven. Are you listening? Fellowship and love to provide protection spiritually, physically, emotionally. In other words, a safe place. It's unfortunate that many times family, is, which should be the safest place there is, the safest institution, many times it's unfortunate it becomes one of the most dangerous, doesn't it? Sometimes physically, many times emotionally, and a lot of times spiritually. It's, one of the, it's unfortunate it's one of the most dangerous places you can be. I know I grew up in one of those dysfunctional families. My dad was an alcoholic. You know, it was just whoever, whoever was handy whose turn it was to get beat on. <laughs> you know? So I, I understand that. But I'm going to tell you, that's not God's intent. That's not God's purpose. It was to be a safe place. That's what family's about. It's a place where what? Where there is provision materially, spiritually, emotionally. There's provision there. We provide, and moms and dads, listen, you still got kids at home, or even if they're grown, but especially if they're home, listen, you make, that, you make that home a safe place for them. You make that a place where they want to be, where they enjoy being with mom and dad, where they know they can be themselves, and they can, they can come to you and talk to you and express how they're feeling and what they're going through, and you're not there to just go whack. You know, life has enough of whack. They don't need whack from you. Amen? Amen? You can be there. When they have questions, they come home from school and they've got questions because they've heard something. Man, don't just don't blow that off because you've had a long day and you're tired now. I just want to relax by my program. Turn that stupid thing off and listen to your kids and talk to them and put something in them. There's seven or eight hours in school. They're putting who knows what into them and they come home and they want 15 minutes of your time and you're too busy then we wonder, what's wrong with our kids? 
Well, sometimes what's wrong with our kids is the parents. <laughs> it should be a nurturing environment that reflects God's kingdom of love, which is what? Love, acceptance, and forgiveness. That's what we're about. Love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Isn't that right? I'm not out to criticize and judge people. I'm going to make right judgments. You know, and you can make right judgments. If, I, if I'm doing something that's, that's immoral or wrong or something, you can make a right judgment. That don't mean that, you, you know, you wish I'd just go open earth and fall, swallow me up and I go straight down to hell, but you can make right judgments. Isn't that right? No, nobody criticizes a judge when he passes a sentence and says, okay, this is, this, is, this is what the law says is right. This is what is wrong. You did what is wrong. This is the sentence. And so the same thing's true about us. But you know, when we have love, acceptance, and forgiveness, that doesn't mean that we just whitewash over everything and, and everything's okay and you know, there is no wrong. And that's not what we're saying. We're saying that love, acceptance, and forgiveness is what gets people out of the pit and into a place, what, of wholeness and deliverance and purpose in life. Isn't that right? That's what it's about. And when we as parents, we need, our kids need to know that. So that when we do need to correct them, we don't just correct them with a whack. You know, do what I say, not what I do. <laughs> That's how I feel about that kind of stuff. No, we've got to first be an example, don't we? We've got to be living it out. Or how are we going to tell them to live it out? Listen, our, listen, I believe this with all my... My kids are so much smarter than me. Woo! I read an article the other day where it says that the genes for intelligence comes through the mom, and I believe it. <laughs> my kids are so much smarter than me. Man, I mean, they, they, pick, they, catch, they catch, catch on to things so quick, not only just academically and things like that with the intellect, but I'm telling you, they have, they have discernment. They can tell. I mean, they're not easily fooled. They're not, you know... Yeah, you're going to have to, sh you know, you're going to have to, they're going to have to see something. They're going to have to, they're smart. They got insight. And see, if we think we're just going to blow smoke and get by as parents, that's not going to work. We've got to be living out this truth ourselves because they're going to see through it just like that. And, you know, as soon as they see you saying one thing and doing another, they're going to immediately think that's true about everything in your life, whether it is or not. And so all of a sudden, you lose the, 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 the authority to speak into your kid's life. Come on. Well, this is good pastoring right here. Who you are. See, we're talking about equality with diversity. Isn't that right? You know, there's a lot of talk about diversity nowadays. Diversity, diversity, diversity. There's nothing new about that. Paul talked about equality with diversity. I mean, the scriptures talk about it all the time. It says the body is what? Is one body, but what? Many members. And not all the members have the same function. Isn't that right? Differing functions has to do with what? Diversity. Yeah, we are. We are different. Of course we are. Thank God we are. Well, I'm glad everybody's not like me. Now, I know you're wonderful. You probably wish everybody was like you, but I'm glad, you know. I'm glad that, you know, there's different talents, different abilities, different insights, different understandings, all kind of things we could look at. But, you know, we have to understand this, that, uh, that, that equality with the diversity of function means this, that, 
who I am as a human being made by God and loved by God is my value. What you do is your function. Now listen to this very carefully. My value is always more important than my function. Now see, in the city of man, he says what you do is more important. Isn't that right? We don't care, you know, what kind of character you got, as long as you got ability. Boy, we've got some characters in office because of that too, haven't we? Got some characters in authority because of that too, haven't we? At times. And listen, there ain't no use us looking nowhere else. We're the ones that did it. <laughs> See, we want to gripe and complain about them, but hey, they are who they are. We're the ones that gave them the, <laughs> we, gave, we gave them that office, whatever it was. We're the ones that voted them in. Not me, I didn't vote. Well, there you are. <laughs> so my value is always more important than my function. Don't get that. See, this legalism says, okay, what can you do? What can you do for me? What can you do for me? And that's your value. No, that's your function. Is function important? Of course it's important. But it's not more important than your value. See, this is the reason we can have abortion to just run wild. Are you listening to me? Now, I know there are times when a mother's life is threatening things and things have to be done. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, 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 the multi-billion dollar industry that's based on abortions at any time, for any reason, any purpose, under the sun, just because it's inconvenient, and I don't like it, and it's going, to be a, it's going to be a burden. Well, you ought to have thought about that nine months ago, or three months ago, or six weeks ago. City of man, their definition of family, is for each person to define according to his or own definition. Don't be telling me what family is. We're going to do it. So family is all relevant as to whatever you wish it to be. Might be the unwed living together, same-sex marriage. This kingdom seeks to make marriage and family a political issue rather than a moral one. That's what's happened. So when I speak out morally as a Christian based on my belief system and I speak out against something, see, because it's been politicized, immediately I'm demonized. You're one of those old, old-timey, you're way out of step. You're just, I mean, you're old-fashioned. Those values are gone. Really? Who says? Who says they're gone? Who made that determination? Isn't that right? I'd rather stick. I mean, we already read. I could, I could, I could have read you many more quotes about our, our early church fathers. We could have made a lot of quotes about them. I'll tell you what. Uh, I think I'll just stick with them. If I'm old-fashioned, I'll be old-fashioned with them. I'll be old-fashioned with God. I'll be old-fashioned with the Scriptures, if that's old-fashioned. But you know, haven't you seen this? What was once old-fashioned becomes the new fashion. Man, I seen and I'll be out shopping. Not, well, I'm not shopping. I'm following her around. She's shopping. <laughs> and we'll go by the, you know, we'll go by the, you know, some of the clothing stores or something with that. Hey, we, we used to wear that in the 60s. Hey, we used to wear that in the 80s. Hey, you know, because what was old comes back around, doesn't it? But see, if, if we allow the enemy and the kingdom, the city of man and that worldview that's, that's, 
that's uh, humanistic, that uh, has it really the influences coming from an antichrist spirit. If we allow that thing to influence us and we allow it to set the parameters for the discussion and for the debate, we already have lost. Isn't that true? Absolutely. We're talking about the kingdom of man and the kingdom of God. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We don't have time to get to it, but in Romans 1, you can read it sometime, 18 through 32, it said that, that man would come to a place to where they would trust more in the wisdom of man than in the wisdom of God. And what truth they knew about God, they would twist it to their own ends and to their own purposes. And he said they, it would ultimately come to a place to where people and men did not even want to entertain the idea of God in his existence. So here's the thing. What can you and I do? Well, first of all, we can pray. Second of all, we can take action. Starting with what? Praying, educating yourself, and, and voting. That's, that's a place to start as a citizen. And as believers, we can be soft and light. Listen, don't be afraid to speak up. Don't be afraid to speak up. You know what the, you know what the, the definition of an expert is, don't you? It's a little spurt away from home. Who said they were in it? Why? They may be an expert about government, but they don't know God. So how does that make them an expert about the Bible, about God, about the Holy Spirit, about what God said? They're not an expert on that. Well, you're an expert on everything. You're, you're, you're the Renaissance man or woman. You know everything about everything. No. Many times these so-called experts, what are they arguing from what? A political standpoint, aren't they? Or a philosophy of man. Well, you know what? I'm going to tell them what I believe. I've heard what you believe. Now let me tell you what I believe. Here's what I believe. <laughs> I believe God made man. I believe God made families. I believe God has a plan for families and a purpose for families. They're to reflect heaven, a place of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. It's a place where a man and woman are equal partners and equal together in life. And that God has a plan and a purpose that he has brought about through his son, Jesus Christ. And that by faith in Him, I enter into that purpose, I enter into that new life, and I begin to what? I begin to reflect that wherever I go. I'm, you know, I'm not talking about be, trying to be obnoxious. I'm just saying, I'm going to be, listen, you're being who you are. Man, they don't mind getting up in your face and telling you what they think and what they believe. Why can't we, isn't that right? Why can't we express what we think and what we believe? Now, here's the thing. It may cost you. It may cost you a little something. It may cost you a big something. I don't know. But here's the thing. Think about our founding fathers. What did it cost them? It cost them everything. And you can read about them. They lost their, many of them lost their, all their income, their homes. They were prisoners of war. Some of them were killed. All kind of things. That happened, what? Because they were willing to stand up. Isn't that right? We can come up to modern times. Think about Dr. King. He stood up against injustice, and of course, he had smooth sailing, didn't he? 
right into jail. Not to mention other things. So will it cost us to stand for what is right? It probably will. But does that mean we shouldn't do it? Does that mean that we're just going to be quiet? Or are we going to stand up and be counted? Starting in what? Our homes. Starting with our families. Starting with taking back the authority and responsibility for the education, the values, the morals of our children that are in, in our home now. We're going to take that back. Isn't that right? We're going to take that back. Listen, you, we won't get there overnight, but you know what? Like the ancient Chinese Proverbs, the longest journey begins with the first step. And here's the thing I'm putting down as we're clo I'm closing now and we're going to pray. It's to challenge all of us to take that first step. What are we going to do? We're just going to go along our merry little way like we always have? Or will we make a change in our thinking, in our outlook, in our actions? You say, well, where do we start? Well, if you're a parent, start in home. Start in home. Take back that authority. Begin to put the, your, your beliefs and your values, your morals. Begin to teach that. Put that into your kids. You have a responsibility to do that. Don't let the experts say, oh, we should just let the children decide. Oh, really? So we're going to let the kids eat pizza at breakfast and chocolate cake at, at, at night, and we're going to let them play out in the street because that's their choice, right? After all, we don't want to quench their little creative spirits. No. I agree, we don't want to quench their creative spirits. I agree on that, but it, we, we get so silly on this stuff. They need guidance. They're telling you that so that they can be the only one doing the guiding. But let's take Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.